Alrighty, everybody, welcome in to another live edition of the Patriot Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I am Mike Cadlick, joined as always by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. Alex, it's NFL Combine Week. I know this is, uh, you're probably in your glory. I've sort of hitched onto that wagon with you as well. Uh, love the Combine. All 32 teams out in Indy, getting a close look at prospects, seeing who they can take, seeing who they can work out. Uh, plenty of interviews, plenty of uh, coaches and personnel getting, you know, uh, getting peppered with questions today. So we're going to get to all that today. Um, but what I do want to start with before we get into our combine preview, we'll preview the combine and then we'll also get into the storylines that happened today out in Indy. But first, I want to talk about the one Patriots move, transaction, whatever you want to call it, sort of, that, that happened today. Uh, yeah. And that is that free agent wide receiver, Slade Bolden. Uh, worked out for the Patriots in Foxborough. If you don't know who Slade Bolden is, Slade Bolden is a slot wide receiver. He played at the University of Alabama. He won a national championship with Mac Jones. Uh, And then the following year after Jones was drafted, he played under Bill O'Brien there in Tuscaloosa in 2021. Uh, He's a true slot receiver. He, I want to ask you for your thoughts, Alex, on it first, but here's sort of what I've come to come to grips with. Um, Okay. As the day gone on and I sort of thought about it, right? So when the fir- news first came in, I was like, oh, here we go. Max got his guy back. It's going to be Brady Edelman 2.0. He knows he has a guy that he can get on the same page with. Jacoby's going to leave and Slade's going to fit right in. He worked with him before. And here we go. The more I think about it, as much as I like Slade Bolden, it's Slade Bolden, right? So I don't know if he's going to even make the team. They're probably going to go get another wide receiver. They still have Kendrick Bourne. They have guys in the room. So I don't think Slade Bolden necessarily will make the Patriots roster. But what this move of him coming in for a workout tells me is that at least Mac Jones, it tells me that I think at least Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien are involved in the Patriots offseason. I don't think Bill Belichick on a whim would go out and do this. I think that tells, it tells me that Mac said, hey, let's think about Slade. And O'Brien said, yeah, let's think about Slade. So we'll see what we got here. So that's what I took away from it. I don't know what you thought. I think it's probably Bill O'Brien more than anybody else, even more than than, sure. than Mac Jones. I actually think there would be a chance Slade Bolden makes the team in the sense that uh, they're down a number of specialists, right? Uh, Cody Davis is a pending free agent. They're going to lose uh, probably Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson free agency, and he can contribute in the kicking game. So I actually think he will have a shot to earn a roster spot there. He doesn't move the needle at all as a receiver. I see people, again, like the – the Tom Brady, Julian Edelman comp, and hey, right. he played with Mac in college. And yeah, well, he had Jamison Williams and John Mechie taking coverage away, right? You can't put him in the slot role in Bill O'Brien's offense and expect him to do that without that kind of coverage protection around him. We've talked right. about the Patriots need to add speed. He ran a 4.6640 at the combine last year. If it wasn't the slowest among wide receivers, it was among the slowest. He doesn't do anything a wide receiver whatsoever be a fun story it'd be nice he's not a wide receiver he's a special teamer and he might contribute there but i don't think he helps you as a wide receiver at all yeah i think so too but again it just again at first it was like oh well because when when he was uh coming out last year i had him on my radar everybody got all hot and bothered about it yeah yeah undrafted and then he went to the ravens it was like what the hell mac worked with slade and yada yada but I was, you know, I was excited today, and the more I thought about it, I don't know if he's here. But again, like I said, it tells me that O'Brien has has involvement, and perhaps Jones does too. So, Patriots bringing in Slade Bolden. We'll see what happens there. Um, let's get to the combine. Combine is obviously this week out in Indy. 
32 teams there to take a look at the best prospects. Um, we'll get into, Alex, uh, our prospects to watch for the Patriots. But before that, let's talk about just sort of what happened out there today in Indy. Because a bunch of coaches talked, a bunch of executives talked, um, a bunch of storylines came out, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of cuts happened this morning. So let's try and get to as much as possible. We'll go rapid fire and see what we got to. I wrote down a few. If you have some, we can get to it as well. If you have stuff in the chat that you want us to talk about related to the combine, we can use you guys as sort of a, uh, an agenda as well. But I want to yeah. start with Jacoby Myers, actually. Um, two things that came out. This weekend slash today, yesterday, was Mike Reese from ESPN said that he assumes that Jacoby is going to get somewhere between 15 and $20 million per season on the market. Um, and Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston reported today that these the talks between the Patriots and Jacoby are likely to start this weekend uh, at the Combine. So are you paying Jacoby that price, Alex? Do you think the Patriots will pay Jacoby that price? And where do you see this going? And yeah, where do you see this going with him and then the the receiver market after that? Yeah, no, I, I, I just I, I think I've said this before. I think it's time for both sides to yeah to go their separate ways because that's your big addition in all, in the offseason if you pay Jacoby Myers that kind of money. So, you know, it limits your ability to add a tackle. It certainly limits your mm-hmm. ability to add another impact wide receiver. And they need a guy, again, who's going to be more explosive and create after the catch. And that's not who Jacoby Myers is. He's a chain mover, and there's a role for that, certainly in some offenses. But right now, the Patriots don't have a guy that can give them big plays. So just, you know, moving the chains incrementally, teams can take that away without having to worry about anything over the top. So I think that money can be best spent elsewhere. I think – I don't think he gets 20, but I think he gets closer to 20 than 15. Yeah. And I just – I don't think that that's in the Patriots' budget right now. I think so too. It's tough because he has this, he has a little bit of a rapport with Mac. Now he knows the offense. He's a leader. So it's tough to just let a guy walk like that. But when he's that good and when he brings that kind of value to your team, then he's going to command the money. And like you said, bring in a tackle, bring in another, another wide receiver that's probably better than him, whether that be, or has a higher ceiling, whether that be through the draft or through the, through free agency or trade, it just doesn't look like he's here anymore. Um, We'll see what happens. You never know. Maybe they really do like him and they, they have other plans. They don't need to spend elsewhere at receiver, whatever the case may be. But I would agree that right now I don't think Jacoby's back. Um, but with that, uh, the wide receiver market comes T. Higgins, who has been talked about as a target for the Patriots free a trade. There's not so much been rumors, but more so it's – I don't want to call it a rumor because there was nothing backing it. It was more so just an idea. Wide receiver going into his fourth year – do you pick up his option? Do you trade him? All that good stuff. Um, Teddy Bruschi said that the Patriots should go do it last week. I think everyone thinks the Patriots should go do it if they can. But the uh, Bengals GM this afternoon out in Indy basically said, that's not happening. T. Higgins is a good football player. We need good receivers. You go get your own good receivers. I already have mine. So uh, I know that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors um, at the Combine this week. Guys want to throw people off, throw people off the scent. Um, for example, Ryan Poles in Chicago is saying that Fields is their guy for now, but they're going to explore it. So I don't know what they're going to do. But thoughts on T. Higgins? It doesn't sound like he's going to go anywhere, but is this more smoke and mirrors, or do you think he's he's telling the truth? I, I think they're going to keep him. I think they're going to yeah. do what needs to be done because they, they need to capitalize on this window right now with Joe Burrow, and trading T. Higgins mm-hmm. is not how you do that. So I, I think he ends up staying in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, 
I guess it depends on the price though. Uh, like, like if a, if a team's going to, you know, blow their doors off and Look, I don't know. I, the, the Bengals uh, seem rather unconcerned with offensive line play. I think that they would actually be a team that would consider paying Burrow, Chase, Higgins, and just nobody else. And just they're yeah, gonna build their offensive line through the draft and on the cheap and they'll, they'll piecemeal it defensively. Like they seem like the kind of team that would do that. So I think it's a possibility that he's. Yes, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, well, other free agent, Derek Carr. Derek Carr seems like he's the talk of Indy. Meeting with the Saints, Jets, and Panthers. He's already met with the Jets. He's already met with the Saints. He's now going to meet with Carolina. Um, I think the best spot for Derek Carr is far and away the Jets. I don't really understand why he would want to go to the Saints or the Panthers, for that matter. I mean, I guess the Panthers have a decent roster, and they have a little bit more capital to build with. But the Saints, Dennis Allen doesn't move the needle for me. They seem to always be in cap trouble. They kind of seem like they're in no man's land. I think the best spot for Derek Carr is no doubt the Jets, and I do probably think that that's where he ends up. But uh, what do you think of Derek Carr and, I guess, where where he's at and where he's going to go and that whole saga? Yeah, well, I mean, looks look, it um, he needs to be ready if, if Rodgers goes to the Packers, right? I think that's what this is. I think yeah. he knows the Jets – or, sorry, if Rodgers goes to the Jets. Right. He, he needs to be – you know, Rodgers is a better option. Say what you will about the guy. He's kind of becoming the NFL's Kyrie Irving, but he he's the better fit. So Carr's not just going to say, oh, well, I didn't get the Jets, so I, I guess I'm not going anywhere. The Panthers are probably better than the Saints, but at the same time, you want to make sure there's a bidding war. You want to make sure you can get the most you can get. So I right. think he's just doing his due diligence at this point. What do you think of the Jets if they do get Derek Carr? Where where do they slot? Not as I don't think as highly as them as uh, as if they get Rodgers. Okay, I think regardless in the AFC East, if the Jets get one of the two, I think they're the second best team in the division behind the Bills. I think Miami. I think they surpass Miami. Miami really? I just don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, Cause I don't know what, I don't know with Tua. I think the Jets when that offense is on, when that offense is on, it's just such a matchup nightmare. I suppose. Well, speaking of the Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, another thing today said that they want to bring in some veteran quarterback competition to their quarterback room. So, so that I don't would know be an interesting spot for. Carl. Yeah. Yeah, it would. But do you think they do it? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think I don't think they'd overextend themselves to do it, but I think they yeah. un- understand the. Um, I think they understand the situation they're in, and if two is not going to be the guy, you can't wait around. You've got to have another guy right. ready, like they had with Teddy last year. So, I, I, I they could be a sleeper team for a quarterback, certainly. So, do you just sit Tua? No, Tua is your starter, with but Derek, he has to win he, the job. So Derek Carr's your backup. Interesting. Okay. I mean. Is he guaranteed he's going to go somewhere where he's the day one starter if it's not the Jets? I don't think he's the day one. He's not definitively the day one starter in New Orleans because they still like Jameis. Carolina, I think, likes Matt Corral. I think he's going to have to beat out Matt Corral for that job. As crazy as that sounds, I don't think he should have to, but I think he would have to beat out Matt Corral for that job. Um you know, in my he probably has a better chance of doing that than beating out Tua. Yeah, Tua. But I don't think that he's the definitive starter in any of those places. I, really? I see. I think Derek Carr is is he's a 
I mean, he's obviously a top 32 quarterback, but, and I know that, you know, like if he was that good, he'd still be employed. That's the thing about quarterbacks that are available this time. Yeah. Of year. That's Think a about fair it. point. And in free agency, not in trade, right? Like this, this doesn't Brady Stafford, obviously Russell yeah, Wilson tank. Like these guys don't count. Think about the quarterbacks that have been free agents the last couple of years. And these teams, mostly the Colts, but these teams continue to kind of hang their hat on them as being saviors. Was Matt Ryan the savior in Indy? No, he was not. Was And I know he was a trade, but he was basically free agent. Was Carson Wentz the savior in mm-hmm. Washington? No, he was not. Was Carson Wentz the savior in Indy? No, he was not. Uh, was Philip Rivers the answer with the Colts? No, he was not. I think it's that's, more so an indictment on the Colts than this is on the quarterback. Okay, that's fair. Like, the Colts <laughs> suck at quarterbacks. They just did but, this for the last, like, five seasons. They just got the guy that they thought was going to somehow push them over the edge. And obviously This feels like happened. one of those situations. A team that has the kind okay. of talent the Raiders do aren't going to quit on a serviceable quarterback. They're just not going to do it. That doesn't make sense. And they had a better look at him than any of us. And didn't they just extend him too? As soon as Ziegler and McDaniels got there, yeah. they just gave yeah. him a contract. Yeah. So that's a fair point, but uh, Saints, Panthers, Jets, all interesting spots for Carr. Um, okay. Bucks cuts. Let's do the Bucks cuts. The yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting rid of going to cut uh, Donovan Smith tackle and running back Leonard Fournette. Interestingly, Leonard Fournette last offseason visited with the Patriots when he was a free agent uh, before he ended up resigning with Tampa. Famously, Tom Brady told him, what the heck are you doing up there? Come back to come back to Tampa Bay. So he did. Uh, Donovan Smith tackle had a down year last season, but overall has been solid uh, for Tampa Bay. Uh, he's a little bit on the older side now, I think, but um, could be an interesting free. He, he adds to the free agent tackle market. So what do you think of Donovan Smith? What do you think of Leonard Fournette? Do the Pats kick the tires on either of them? Do either of them even really fit here? I know you look at Fournette and you look at, you know, same type of running back as Ramondre, but he could take some carries off of him as well. He's not really your pass catcher, but what do you think of those guys coming to New England? You took Pierre Strong the fourth round last year. You got to let him play. Yeah. Yeah. And Fournette's going to bury him. I'm not opposed to them adding another running back for depth, but that's not mm-hmm. what Fournette is. Fournette yeah. is. Donovan Smith is a little interesting. I know he had a really bad year last year, but he was pretty good before that, especially in right. 2021. He had a career year. That's a guy I wouldn't mind them kicking the tires on. I wonder if he would be better as a right tackle. I also wonder if he's like, if they're really infatuated with a guy like Dewan Jones, he's going to be the best left tackle on the market. I'm not giving Donovan Smith the bag, but he would be an interesting name to explore. Remind me of the other, all the, like, as, as much as you know it, the list of tackles that are on the free agent market with McGlinchey and Smith. All right, so um, right tackles, there's, yeah. there's basically like five starting caliber tackles. It's a okay. top-heavy group because the sixth tackle is Cameron Fleming in free agency, who Yikes. is a okay. starting tackle. Yeah, right. Um, and I'm not including Orlando Brown because the report is right now he's going to be a uh, franchise tag. So your top right tackles are McGlinchey and Juwan Taylor are one and two. That some people have them in different orders. I think it's, you know, you want the floor and ceiling. They're both starting caliber, good players. You can order that whoever you want. And then Caleb McGarry from Atlanta is the next guy. And he's more ceiling. He really, he had a good year last year. was a little slow to get going in his career, but he projects as a guy who can be a starter. So those are your three. Feels like a a contract year bump. 
Yeah, and, and you're kind of betting on that. He's a step but below okay. the other two. Right. Yep. Those are your three starting caliber right tackles in free agency. In uh, at left tackle, Donovan's uh, Orlando Brown again. We're assuming he's franchised. Donovan Smith is number one. Isaiah wins number two. PFF yeah. has Isaiah win right now as the top left tackle in free agency. So if it's not Donovan Smith, you're drafting a left tackle. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, do you think they go for it? Do you think there's any chance that wins back here? I hope not. Uh, I don't think they do. I, I just, it, yeah. he, he checked out at the end of last year. They don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. I just think that sometimes, and again, we talk about the moves that Patriots make, and sometimes it's like, what are you doing? And that this is not that it's not like them, but we say it's something they shouldn't do until they do it. But they haven't really done that this year. They've kind of went, they've kind of made the moves they've needed to, with uh, starting with Bill O'Brien and things like that. But uh, right, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think Wynn's going to be back. The the right tackles definitely favor it. It's it definitely favors right tackle over left, and so. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll look left tackle in the draft, which is why this week at the Combine is so important. Uh, last Combine storyline, Alex, that I want to talk well, about. Hang on, can we do one we more cut? Because some, somebody oh, actually yeah. asked about it. Yeah. Kenny Galladay is reportedly oh, going to get released by the Giants. And the, the commenter here says, feels like he could alternate at the X with Parker. First mm-hmm. off, they don't need any more alternates. They, they have plenty of good right. depth with Parker and Thornton and Bourne, and you have to let those guys play. I don't think you can bury them with another guy who is a B receiver. I also don't think Kenny Galladay's a B receiver. I think he's your fourth or fifth receiver on the depth chart. I know he had a he was really good in Detroit, but Mike on a Giants team last year that had no receivers that was begging yeah. for pass catchers. In 12 games he caught six passes for 81 yards. And Yeah, that's a yikes. For, for what it's worth, we did this last year with Allen Robinson. I remember people were really high on Allen Robinson because, oh, well, like, look at what he had been, right? Mm-hmm. Look at how good he'd done. But the production the year before was just, I kept bringing that up. Like, hey, he was terrible last year. Like, keep that in mind. He's not the player once was, and I got kind of knocked for it. And then what happened with Allen Robinson this year? Yeah. So, I'm sorry, six catches in 12 games on that team? I stay, I'd stay the hell away. Uh, I yeah. zero interest, none. That was that was similar. I guess he had a few years of good production, but that was sort of a contract year thing with him as well. Up in Detroit, he had one really good season. The Giants he completely over. He had he had two thousand yard seasons in Detroit there, but yeah, okay, fair. But the point being that he got paid and he sort of completely fizzled out. So even at a cheap cheap number, I don't think I don't think it's worth it. Um, actually, one other cut that I wanted to. Uh, bring up and pick your brain on was John Johnson, the third Boston college kid. Uh, he is likely to be cut from the Browns. Uh, he's been fine at safety. He was with the Rams. I think he just missed out on their Super Bowl run signed with the Browns after uh, right before that. Um, but I don't know. Something tells me he could be a guy that the Pats kick the tires on, depending on if, if McCourty retires, what, what do you think of him? What do you know about him? Anything good? I could see it. I, yeah. I like the free agency market in like, I, I wouldn't mind them spending there. Right. Vaughn, Vaughn yeah. Bell, um, uh, Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates, Jordan Poyer. He's probably a step below those guys. Now that look, if they spend money elsewhere, let's say they pay a tackle and they go and trade for it and they pay a wide receiver. 
then yeah, Johnson's probably a guy you look at as like, hey, right. second tier safety that you know you can't pay top of the market at every single position. But I don't know. I think they can pay a safety. I, I think they can. Yeah. So I'm not. We, we put a pin in him. Like yes, he is a guy. Johnson is a guy I could see them talking to. We'll put a pin in that one. But let's see how the combine plays out in the first couple of days. I don't think he's a guy that's going to sign in like the tampering period, right? Right, um, right. I think he's probably a guy that signs late in the week, maybe early of, of, of the week after. So, again, we'll put a pin in that one and uh, revisit it because it's an interesting name, but it's a little early. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right, Patriots news at the Combine. Uh, a little sort of Patriots, but when we were on our show last Thursday, the news broke that Matt Patricia interviewed for the Broncos uh, defensive coordinator position. He obviously didn't get it. They ended up giving it to Vance Joseph. But Sean Payton out in Indy today was asked about uh, Matt Patricia. And basically said that uh, while they did release uh, the list of their defensive coaching staff, that Matt Patricia could still end up having a job in Denver. Uh, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network also said that he could see him sort of in a defensive advisory role, something similar to what he had last year in New England. Obviously, he didn't succeed as an offensive coach. He will never be an offensive coach again. But it sounds like Sean Payton likes Matt Patricia. It sounds like Matt Patricia could still latch on in Denver, even though it sounded like late last week that he might not. So what do you think about that? Do you think it's a good move? Is he going to end up there? Um, I don't know. I just want to want to get your thoughts on that from a Patriots perspective. Well, so Ian Rapport said today he thinks Patricia's going to end up there. So, you know, I'll yeah. piggyback off of him because he tends to know things and say, yeah, I think mm-hmm. he's going to end up there. Yeah. Here's my bigger takeaway. <clears throat> if Patricia doesn't end up in Denver, I don't think he's back in New England. This is a, and and not even that, like, I don't think the Patriots want him back. We don't know what his status is right now, right? We don't know what his employment status is. We know Joe judge is still under contract. Mm -hmm. We don't, we never got any clarity on what happened with Patricia at the end of the season. We didn't know what his contract was. This is, we assume now, sorry to cut you off. Can we assume that he's not under contract because Nothing has came out about the Patriots needing to, you know, approve the fact that he's going out there. Wouldn't something like that potentially come out and sort of be news alongside of it and not just the fact that he's going to interview? Not necessarily because you don't, okay. you can't refuse an interview for a promotion. And remember, his title is offensive line coach. Okay, that's fair. So position coach to coordinator, even if it's on the other side of the ball, and it's ridiculous we have to go over this. Right. Position coach to coordinator, you can't block that interview. And but but no, but Mike, that's kind of what I was going to say, though. These feel like really in-depth conversations, interview, Mm -hmm. negotiations, whatever, however you want to characterize it. These feel like really in-depth conversations to have with the guy who's under contract of another team. Right. So when he first interviewed, I didn't think too much. I was like, okay, well, this could still be if he's with the Patriots. I feel very confident saying that. I don't think he has a contract in New England. I do not. I think that he is a free agent, so to speak. And it doesn't seem like the Patriots seem very interested in bringing him back. Yeah, I I would agree. And I, I mean, I guess have at it Um, for the Broncos. I mean, maybe if he helps you, great, but I I don't need him back Yeah, good luck. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, Broncos country, let's ride. Yeah, so that's our uh, NFL storylines, or NFL Combine storylines. So let's get into Patriots prospects to watch. Alex, I know you had a huge write-up on this on 98.5 yeah. this week. 
Uh, I wrote something on clnsmedia.com this week with five prospects to watch. Um, I have some other ones in mind too, building off of uh, some mock drafts that had you know guys like Jordan uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers coming to New England. So those are guys I'm keeping an eye on. But Alex, let's let's go with you. I'll let you sort of set it up with uh, with your draft stuff, and I'll, I'll build off of it, I suppose. But who are you looking at this week well, at the combine, and what, what can we talk about? So let's go position by position because that's what we typically Perfect. do, and we'll, we'll go like in the Madden right. order. So we'll start a quarterback. Um, yep. the, the one guy I'm really interested in this week is, is Hennon Hooker. He's not going to work out. He's still recovering from that torn ACL. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming we're going to get some sort of report on where he's at medically, on where he's at yeah. in his rehab and his recovery process. And it's going to be very interesting because if he's healthy, I think he's a first-round pick. I have him ahead of Will Levis. I still – and look, Will Levis is going to test off the charts. I still don't understand what teams see in Will Levis. Like, I honestly don't. Um, yeah. If he's not healthy, it, you know, then it gets really interesting because it feels like he needs – his rookie year is a really important part of his evaluation because he is 25. Right. And he needs to be able to hit the ground rolling. There's not a ton of, of ceiling with him. So I'm really interested to see him. Uh, the other guy I want to see is Jaron Hall, right? I've talked mm-hmm. about this before. The quarterback position this year, there's four first-round picks, four probably top 15 picks. Hendon Hooker, who's kind of this question mark. Tanner yep. McKee, who's just going to go in the third round because teams love taking bad quarterbacks from Stanford in the third round. Like he's whatever, vanilla. Yep. He is a white bread quarterback. And then there's this <laughs> massive drop-off until the end of day three. I think if right. anybody's going to climb into that, you know, early, not even late day two, but like early day three group, that fringe top 100 group, it's Jaron Hall. But he's going to need to test well, and I think he's going to need to interview well. And that's not his fault, but mm-hmm. the last quarterback that came from BYU was a dumpster fire mentally. And yep. I think teams are going to be wary of that. Now, I've compared Jaron Hall to Zach Wilson in the past, and I think his play style is similar. But teams are going to be worried about what that program's producing quarterback-wise between the ears. And it's unfortunate Jaron Hall's going to have to deal with that because Zach right. Wilson's just such a shithead. But it's going to be interesting to see like if the reports about how he's interviewing. Yeah, so not really from a Patriots perspective, but just quarterbacks in general. I'm super excited to see Anthony Richardson because his stock just continues okay. to skyrocket because – I, I heard this the other day, I forget where, but the farther away we get from actual games played and the glo- the closer we get to watching guys in shorts throw a football as far as they can, the boards just go like this everywhere. And guys yeah. guys skyrocket, guys fall. A guy that's on his way up is Anthony Richardson because of all the uh, the physical tools. He throws, uh, he's got a cannon of an arm. He's fast. He can make plays with his feet. Uh, he will be working out. So will CJ Stroud. Bryce Young will not throw. Um, so that's... That sort of feels like Bryce Young knows that he's going to be the number one pick type thing, and they they don't really like to do it outside of their pro day. Where guys like C.J. Stroud, guys like Anthony Richardson, guys like Will Levis, they have a lot. They have some to lose, but they also have some to gain here. So all those yeah. guys are throwing. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. I, I always like watching the quarterbacks and receivers throw, just because you get to see these what kind of arm talent these these quarterbacks have. Um, Anthony Richardson will probably jump off the page. Yeah, he's going to be – we're going to come out of the combine and people are going to talk about him potentially being the first overall pick. I don't think yeah. he will be because his play is just too erratic and he's way too raw mm-hmm. at this point. He, Everybody knows how I feel about Josh Allen and, and how erratic right. – that's my favorite word for Josh Allen, right, is erratic. Um, 
Anthony Richardson makes Josh Allen look like the picture of consistency. And that's not even necessarily a knock. Anthony Richardson's highs are probably higher than Josh Allen's. I just think his lows are lower. Yeah. It's like he's he's so extreme. And if he ends in the right ends up in the right spot, he's gonna be the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. But he has to end up in the right spot because if he's not, it's gonna be a disaster. But I don't remember the last time we saw a quarterback this physically gifted in the draft. So right. it's gonna be really interesting to see him. And the, the other thing I'll just piggyback on that real quick with Bryce Young. There was a report over the weekend that he officially measured in at 5'10. I don't know where that's from because they haven't done the quarterback combine measurements yet. But if he's 5'10, yeah, I don't think it's a lock. He's the first overall pick. And I'm not saying that's right. Yeah, I know. Teams love to overthink combine measurements. So we'll see what he what he measures in at. All right. Uh running backs. Yes. I want to see if Jameer Gibbs can catch B. John Robinson. I said I've said this before on this show. I think Gibbs, all things considered, is the best running back in this draft for the modern game where you're calling 30, 35 passing plays a game and your running back needs to contribute as a pass catcher. I will take Jameer Gibbs over B. John Robinson, even though B. John Robinson is a better pure runner. How does he catch him? He's got to have better drills. And, you know, I think he can. I think he can do it. I don't know that he's going to do it, but I think he can do it. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think Bijan's just physicality as far as like his size and his strength and the way he's going to run. I know Gibbs is also a freak athlete, but you just look at a guy. It, it like I said, it's it's shorts and shorts and shirts season where you look at Bijan Robinson next to Gibbs, who's a little bit shorter, a little bit a little bit yeah. lighter. It's like how do we not take this beast? Well, we look at what the guy like Derrick Henry has done the last few years. I know that I'm not comparing Bijan to Derrick Henry. I'm just saying that size matters at the combine. It does. So that's. It might be tough, but I'm with you. I, I'm interested to see that too. A couple other quick running back uh, things. Um, yeah. Measurement. I want to see what Deuce, Deuce Vaughn measures in at. It's listed mm-hmm. at 5'6", 176. So that one's going to be interesting. He's gotten some Darren Sproles comps. Uh, health-wise, Travis Dye, kind of like I said with Hendon Hooker, yeah. right? Travis Dye, he was at the Shrine Bowl. He's coming off that ankle injury. If he's healthy, I think he's one of the best pass-catching backs in this draft. Um, it's him. Eric Gray and Vaughn to me is like the day three James White types. Okay. And then we talked about big backs. Tavion Thomas checked in at the Shrine Bowl at 6'1, 247. If he runs in the four or fives, so right now he's projected to go undrafted. If he runs in the four or fives, he's going to shoot up the board. Yeah. I don't know that he's going to run in the four or fives, but if he runs even a decent 40, his projections are going to start to get goofy. And by the way, I love Tavion Thomas. I've seen some people throw out the LeGarrette Blunt comparison. I don't, I won't go that far, but I see why people are making it. Cause he right. runs pissed off. He <laughs> yeah. hates people trying to tackle him. So again, six, one, two If he can get going even a little bit, he's going to be an interesting player to track in this draft. So he's another, I'll, I'll be watching his 40 for sure. What do you think about a guy like uh, Tajay Spears from uh, Tulane? Because he, I, I, I was watching some of his stuff, um, both from the Senior Bowl and then some stuff of him at Tulane. He only caught, I think, like forty-five balls um, in college, but he showed off some just some route running skills. I know he, I think he was the fifth leading rusher in the NCAA this this year. Um, what do you think? Of, what do you think of a guy like him? I don't know if they want to sign try and mold him into a pass catcher because he's not really that big downhill back, but he's just, 
he was a good running back. So, yeah, he reminds me honestly a lot of kind of Pierre Strong coming out last year. Yeah. So you know sure. he had a really good. Yeah, Strong goal. killed it rushing when he was at at San Diego. Yeah. South Dakota State, right? Yeah. Yeah, he had a really good senior bowl. He's going to try to build. I'm I'm talking about uh, Spears now. Really good senior bowl. He's going to try to build on that this week. Yeah, if he runs a good 40, he's going to get into the day two conversation, I think. But it's, yeah. look, I think the third running back spot in this draft is wide open. It could go to a number of guys. Kenny McIntosh, Sean Tucker, um, Izzy Batacanda, Charbonnet. Uh, I kind of like Dwayne McBride from UAB. I think he's sneaky good. Uh, But Spears is certainly going to be in that conversation. We're going to kind of sort that out this week. I look at Kendra Miller too from uh Kendra from Miller. So Kendra Miller reminds me a bit of not like Ramondre now, but watching mm-hmm. him at TCU reminds me of watching Ramondre at Oklahoma. Like there's a lot of similarities. There. Yeah. He's an interesting player. And he's he's if the Patriots are gonna go with the running back in the top one hundred, I don't think they will, but it wouldn't surprise me. Kendra mm-hmm. Miller, like specifically for the Patriots, is a name Patriots fans should know. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm excited for running back. I, I, I get excited. Running backs for, fun at the combine. Running backs like com, yeah. combines are running back event. Yeah, I mean NFL draft is a, is a running back event because it's such no, it's a it's a, such a because it's hear me out. Let me explain. Okay. Because it's it it's not a first round running back event, but it's like okay, okay guys don't want to pay. Uh, you don't want to pay running backs. Guys don't want to sign them to second contracts. So there's a happy medium where you want to find those guys in like the second, third, or fourth round where they're not a first-round pick, so they're not getting a huge payday. You're not burning a pick on them, but you're also bringing in guys who you want to – like an Alvin Kamara who was a third-round pick or um, even Ramondre who was a fourth-round pick. Now he's a top-10 running back in the NFL. So okay, uh, I like I, seeing I where running backs are going to slot. You you get the point. It's not it's not a first round running back event, but it's it's interesting to see where those guys come out. No, that's fair. I I'll give you that from that that point of view. All right. Yeah. Wide receivers. This Hell is baby. a big big combine for wide receivers because there is so many questions still to answer. There is such little consensus. Yep. I have right now the top tier of wide receivers is four players: Quentin Johnston, okay. Jordan Addison. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers. Now, part of the reason I can't come up with an order is, well, who are we talking about? Are we talking about the Patriots? Are we talking about a team picking ahead of the Patriots, right? Because there are some teams I think might have Quentin Johnson as their top wide receiver. There's some teams that might have him as their fourth. But even within that, it's a little tough to tell the order right now. So I think with Addison and Flowers, the measurements are going to be big. Yep. And I think when it comes to the 40, I, I'm just assuming Zay is going to run a great 40. I've kind of written assuming that's going to happen. Johnston, yeah. Addison, Smith, and Jigba to different degrees are all sort of questions. Mm-hmm. For the Patriots fans who want Quentin Johnston, if he runs like four high four fours and the four fives, I'm out. He's not what they need. They need speed. He's not speed. He's just size yeah. at that point at that point. If he runs in the four threes, like some people think he's going to, he's not going to be there at 14. You're not getting him anyway. Yeah, right. So it's, it's a catch 22. Play. It's just interested to see which way it goes with Quinton Johnson. Uh, in Jigba, kind of similar to me. Elite, elite, elite rat runner. Yeah, he really but is. He's got to prove he is the afterburner to run away after he catches the ball. If he proves he can do that, now I still think he might be on the board of 14 because he doesn't have mm-hmm. the size. 
but like his 40 is going to be telling. And then with Jordan Addison, to me, I think Jordan Addison's top three, no matter what. Yeah. But if he runs the best 40, he's going to come away the consensus number one receiver in the draft. So that's what his stakes are. Yeah. And for Zay, again, I think Zay's going to run a great 40. Like that's his best trait. He, mm-hmm. There was the picture that was shared over the weekend where he's up from 170 to, he says, 183 and putting on the muscle. Let's see what the measurements are and let's see where he's at in like right. the 10 second split, right? How explosive is he? Uh, if he does the bench, uh, kind of how he moves in the open field. So his is a little different, but we're it's going to go a long way in sorting those four guys out. Because I'll tell you this, if you think you have those four guys sorted one through four and you're comfortable about that rating, you're, 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 you're lying to yourself. Yeah, you can, right. There's, you can certainly, you can certainly think you have a reason to have them one through four and be happy about it, but you should not be putting that in pen yet. That should be lightly done in pencil. Uh, Cause I don't feel comfortable about the way I have. I've been changing it constantly because we don't have enough information yet. We're getting that information this week. That's why it's a big week. Um, looking yeah. at the wide receivers. I, I, I think you're, I think about the guys outside of Johnston, just Smith and Jim yeah. flowers and Addison. And I look at them as Patriots wise pick 14. That's what's going to happen. I don't think they're going to go Quentin Johnson. I just think that, I don't and I see so it in either. the chat, comparing it to Neil K- Nikhil Harry. I get that you don't want us to do it, but big, slow receiver who has a high ceiling and a low floor. Well, I mean, that's sort of what he is, right? So, we don't know he's slow yet, but he's going to be one of two things. Fair. He's going to be a big, fast receiver, and those guys go in the top 10 or the top five. Mm-hmm. Or he's a big, slow receiver, and the Patriots don't need that. Like, he's one of two. Right. And yep. either yep. way, they're not drafting him. So, and I'll say everything I said about that top group in terms of the sorting it out and and where do we go from there? The secondary group of slot receivers, Mm -hmm. you could say the same thing. And that to me is, this is just the order I have them written down because I think I that's where I was going to go. Right. It's not alphabetically. I'll give it alphabetically so I don't piss people off. Uh, Kayshawn Booty, Josh Downs, Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, That to me is like the secondary tier of slot guys. It's the same thing. Uh, 40. Jaylen, did you say Jalen Hyatt? I no, I didn't. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's not a slot receiver to me. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was, I also just, he's Taekwon. They don't need a yeah. double dip. They don't need a double dip at that spot. To me, if they're taking wide receiver on day two, it's one of these four guys they need in the slot. And it's downs, booty, Dell Hutchinson. 40s big for all of them. Measurements are going to be big for Dell. Interviews are going to be big for booty. Um, I think agility drills are going to be big for Hutchinson as well. Yeah. I and agree. we'll sort that out. We'll, we'll, I, I think again, you can have those four in sort of whatever our, uh, order you want. And I'm not going to disagree with you, but I just think you're kidding yourself if you're comfortable about the order you have them in right now. Yeah, I would agree. There's no, I mean, there's tiers, but there's no separation within those tiers. Um, not yet. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. Um, I'm just taking a look at you know other receivers that you might want to keep an eye on. Um, Rasheed Rice, Parker Washington. Uh, so the one Dell. other guy that could sneak just, actually, the one guy who could sneak into that second tier group, to me is Rakim Jarrett from Maryland. I'm a oh, big yeah, fan sure. of his game. I think he slept on because it's Maryland. Like you don't think of Maryland as being this, although Stefan Diggs went there. Stefan so. Diggs. Yeah, they they had another one too. Who else went to Maryland? They had another really good receiver. I can't think of it. Anyway, put it in the chat. But um, that's the one guy I I think he could maybe. So let's do this. 
actually. If anybody's going to sneak from that second group to the first group, to me, it's Josh Downs. If anybody's going to sneak into that second group, to me, it is Rakim Jarrett. And the one other receiver I'm interested to see, I think he's going to be a day three guy, but I want to see him test, is Demario Douglas from Liberty. Yeah. Who was a standard at the Shrine Bowl and looked really mm-hmm. explosive to me. Uh, so I don't have a ton of exposure to him because I didn't watch a ton of Liberty and it's kind of tough to find stuff, but I'm interested to see how he tests. DJ Moore was yep. the other one. DJ Moore. Thank you. Uh, Patriots media. Thank you. Yep. Uh, all right. So that's the receivers. Um, I think you move to tight end. Want to go yep. tight end? The, so, the deepest class we've ever seen, according to uh, Daniel Jeremiah. From NFL it's Network. up there. It's up there. Yeah. Um, I, it's kind of similar to my running back take, honestly. Can anybody okay. catch Michael Mayer at the top of the class? I have not been wowed by Michael Mayer like some people. I think he should be a first-round pick. I think he's going to be a yep. good player. I don't think he's generational or anything like that. I want to see Darnell Washington run a 40. 6'7", 270, mauler of a blocker. Tacklers mm-hmm. bounce off of him but you got to be able to move at the NFL level because the tacklers are going to be bigger and stronger and they're going to get to you quicker. I need to see what he, cause if he, some people think he's going to run like a four nine. And if that's the case, if he runs a four nine at that point, he's a tackle. At that point, he's a small tackle. Yeah. Right. But if he can get like that four, even in that four, seven range, it's going to be interesting. Take a shot. And I know a lot of people like Dalton Kincaid and he's up there, but if Washington runs well, he's going to be in that mix. Yeah, I think so too. Um, that's what I want to see is is Washington show some speeds, show some athleticism. That's not just not just a bowling ball that can compete in college, but a bowling ball that can compete in the NFL, right? Um, the other guy I'm looking at too is Sam Laporta from Iowa, just because they have been tight end university for the last five six years now with guys like uh, Kittle and Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and so they breed them out there. He's athletic. Um, there's there's been a couple time a couple plays I've seen from him where his yards after catch is just unbelievable. He breaks tackles and he gets he gets away. He has some speed, so I'd like to see that uh, from him as well. Um, and then Cameron Latu is a guy I'm keeping an eye yeah. on because of the Alabama connection. I'll okay. give you one more because uh, I, I think mm-hmm. it makes the most sense for the Patriots to go tight end on day three and really like yeah. fifth round or later. Zach Kuntz is kind of hidden. Nobody really knows about him. He was at Penn State for three years. He didn't play. Transferred to Old Dominion. Had a great year in 2021, but he wasn't going to the draft, so nobody really talked about it. And then he played three games this year and got hurt. And we don't know what that injury is, so the first thing with him at the Combine, maybe we find out some injury information. Right. But he's, uh, let me let me pull him up here real quick. He is listed at 6'8", 245. So again, we'll see how real those measurements are. 6'8", right. 245, and supposedly, Mike, he's running four fives in training. Oh, boy. Okay. So, again, there's questions here. He was at Old Dominion, right? He didn't have that that level of play. Um, we don't know what the injury was. But if he comes in at those measurements, I don't think he's going to last until yeah. the fifth round. But, like, holy – and the other thing is, and I, a reason I push back on the Patriots drafting Mayer, right, is – I. I don't like that he's primarily an inline tight end. I think they need to yeah. be able to stretch their offense more horizontally. And I don't think you can play Mayer and Hunter Henry at the same time. 
Zach Kuntz lined up more in the slot than he did in line. And he lined up on the boundary a significant amount of the time as well. So he's almost like he might actually be a big slot because he's not a great blocker. And look at six, eight, I think he can learn to block. You can kind of get him there. Yeah. Right. But if he runs well enough, teams might look at him and they might think he's a wide receiver. And that would be very interesting as well. So just a six, eight wide receiver, nothing crazy. I'm not saying take the guy 14 or anything, Yeah, but all right, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Last year, about a week before the combine, I kind of stumbled on Tyquan Thornton. And people remember on this show, like Evan was like, all right, enough talking about the wide receivers. No, I have this guy. And Evan's like, he's undrafted, isn't he? I said, yeah, he is projected to, but I like him. And then he came out and he ran the best four in the combine. The Patriots took him 50th. About the same time I stumbled on Zach Koontz. So All right. we'll see. And now look, he might come out and run a four nine and then we can forget about it. I'm wrong, but this is players to watch. We're not making predictions here. This is players right. to watch. Zach Koontz is absolutely a player to watch because we need to see how it goes. If this guy is running, supposedly running four fives in training and then comes out and runs a four nine, that's going to be the most disappointing thing you've ever, you've ever done to me. So I'm that's on you. Tremendously disappointed <laughs> as well. We will have the person who told me the four or five thing come yes. on the show and we will both parade him. Perfect. Okay. Um, so keep your eye on uh, Zach Kuntz. Zach Kuntz right. from Old Dominion. All right. ODU. Um, but I, I will other... say again, first three years at Penn State, which is kind of a tight end factory. Yeah. The other um, tight end prospect that is not in Indy. That as as I look at uh, my rankings and the stuff I've done, is Jack Coletto. Kind of bummed he's not going to be there. I wanted to see yeah. what he would be, but they, he wasn't an invite. Uh, so he's a guy that's on my radar for the Patriots down the line. Um, they liked him at the Shrine Bowl, but he's not in Indy. So I guess we'll see what happens at Oregon State's Pro Day, but uh, he will not be there. So uh, tight ends, let's see. Luke Musgrave is interesting from Oregon State. Uh, he's got size. He's got speed. Um, He's sort of that second tier tight end as well. It, it's such a deep class. Like Daniel Jeremiah said, didn't Daniel Jeremiah say that eleven tight ends could go in the first three rounds? Did he? He might have said that. I think he said something like that. So it's a deep class, but we'll see where it goes. I, I would agree that the Patriots should look for one on on day three. Um, yeah. So that's tight. So that's tight ends. Now the tackle position. Oh, tackle. Yeah. There's so another. This is a deep tackle class as well. So I'll let you. I'll let you kick it off. Yep, but it's another one of these uh, sorting out things. Tears, yeah. Yeah, well, not even tears. It's sorting out with it, right? We don't know. Skaronsky, Peter Skaronsky, mm-hmm. Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson Jr. And I'm putting yep. Dewan Jones kind of to the side because we're just doing left tackles right now. Mm-hmm. What's Skaronsky's arm length? Yep. Where does Broderick Jones come in on some of these measurements? How athletically does he test? Ath- athleticism is supposed to be his carrying trait. How athletically does does Paris Johnson test? Some people think he's a little stiff. Again, mm-hmm. you can rank those three guys in whatever order you want. I don't think you're wrong, but you can't feel good about the order because we don't know enough. We're gonna learn. We're gonna kind of figure out, and, and more importantly, which of these guys has the best chance to make it to 14. Yeah, um, the Skaronsky one, like you said, it's interesting. It's gonna depend. Everyone That's talks the biggest about his arms. Part. Yeah, if he's if he's a T Rex, they might it. They might uh, they might kick him into guard. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But and the number to watch for the general and look, it's the different of an inch. I think people probably look into it too much, but the, the, yeah, the, um, 
what's the word? The uh, uh, why can't I th- the benchmark for okay. like tackle versus guard is generally thirty three inches. And like okay. Rashawn Slater, people worried about his arm length, and he came in at thirty two and a half, and now he's a very good tackle. But you know, if he comes in at like thirty one, I think people are going to be worried. But if he's over that thirty three mark, I think he's unquestionably a tackle. Yeah, thinking about just uh, like you said, tiers and separating those guys. I think about wide receiver, tackle, and corner that same way as from from the Patriots. You know, get yeah. familiar with the first and second tiers because wherever they go at fourteen you're going to have to look at the second tier at 46. So those are your first tier tackles. The second tier, I look at guys like you said, Dewan Jones, who right tackle, left tackle, I understand, but he's probably, like you said, off well, the I, Dewan Jones, a tier one right tackle to me. I'm just separating yeah. the sides. Because as we sure. talked about earlier, the Patriots are probably going to need to draft a left tackle. Right. Um, then you got Donnell Wright, Anton Harrison, Dewan Jones. I mean, uh, Cody, Cody Ma. Is it Ma? Mock. Is that how you say his name? Mock. Mock. Okay. Um, what, what do you think of those guys? I mean, they, they, that's that's sort of your second tier. Um, if they go corner and if they go wide receiver, that's who you're going to have to deal with for the Patriots. Yeah, I, I like Wright. I like Harrison. Um, mm-hmm. I think Mock's probably a guard. I'm not yeah. as high on the kid from Syracuse as some people. Bergeron. Uh, I, yeah, I do like Tyler Steen from Alabama. I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe one of them really excites me right now. I just, I don't like them cheaping out at this position this year. Yeah. Um, speaking of Maryland guys, Maryland tackle Jalen Duncan is someone I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah. He's 6'6", 320. He's a really good run blocker, um, but they also use him. You know that clip that's been going around of Broderick Jones where they put him in space and he's just knocking yeah. out corners after corner? Um, I've seen a few times Jalen Duncan does that for the Terrapins as well. Like I said, 6'6", 320. So put him out in space. He's a freight train. There, You can use him in a lot of different ways. Um so keep an eye on him too as your as your second tier guy. Um, yeah, but that's my take on the tackles. All right, I honestly didn't do much on the on the later round tackles. That's where I'm at mentally with that position. Yeah, Let's go to I the know. Defen- I'm with you. Let's go to the defensive line. I'm super excited to watch these guys. Look, I I don't think the Patriots are going to take a defensive lineman in the first two days, but especially an interior one. But you know, Devon Godshaw has been. hasn't necessarily lived up to that contract. I know he just got an extension, but he hasn't. Lawrence guy's getting old. Carl Davis is a free agent. Um, Daniel Quali is a free agent. You're on the second half of Christian Barmore's rookie deal now. It wouldn't shock me if they take a defensive tackle on day two. I I would love it, but it wouldn't surprise me. And this is a really good defensive tackle class. There are some incredible athletes at the defensive tackle position in this class. Siaki Ika, Nazi. Smith, Kalisha Candy, uh, all three of those guys are going to be really fun to watch at the combine. And we haven't really yeah. been exposed to them because they didn't do the senior bowl or the shrine bowl. I like that. Uh, Moro Adromo, uh, that kid was a beast. So yeah, as he'll well. be later. Yeah. And then him yeah, and, but... and, and Dante stills, it will be interesting to see how they carry over yeah. from the shrine bowl. And then, uh, Gervon, Gervon Dexter, Javon Dexter. Is that his name from Florida? Yeah. So one That's of the other, other guy who, I. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say he's on my radar too. Some guys that they they've worked with and um, just I don't know interior defensive linemen that seemed like they could jump off the page and obviously not first round. I mean the first round talent is really Jalen Carter and maybe Iga yeah. if he if he jumps in the back end. But that's pretty much it. Where from what I from what I can tell, I'll I'll give you a couple other ones too. Like defensive yeah. ends, uh, Tuli Tui Pulotu, I believe is how you pronounce it from USC. Mm-hmm. 
had okay. 13 sacks last year. Like if they want to do, remember there was that year, like four or five years in a row, they took a, an edge guy on day two. Yeah. He, he's a fit for them. And then not even necessarily testing. And I, by the way, I think Brenton Cox is probably an outside linebacker, but he's working with the defensive line this week. Who's he talking mm-hmm. to? Right. Cause he's one of these guys that has some of those character questions, but was dismissed from two programs. Who's he speaking with? Yep. Um, so Mixing edge and D tackle, I suppose. Um, yeah. Andre Carter, Lucas Van Ness. Um, like, again, that outside linebacker edge type yeah. players. Um, I mean, Will Anderson's Will Anderson. He's fun to talk about because he's the best player in the class, but he's right. going to be a top five pick. Um, so Carter's Carter's working with the linebackers, but he is a really interesting player to watch because he was. Anderson. Or, no, sorry, Andre Carter. Andre Carter. Oh, um, sorry. I was thinking, Jay. okay, I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, Andre Carter. So he's working with the linebackers, but he's a really interesting player to watch because he did have all that hype coming in. People thought there was a chance he was going to be a top 50 pick. And yeah. then he had a bad senior bowl. And now there was talk about, well, he was undersized because he had to adhere to certain uh, height and weight restrictions, or not height, he adhered to certain uh, weight in, in, in build taller. restrictions at, at uh, West Point, which is a mm-hmm. thing, by the way. Like, I, I do sort of buy that. So let's see if he's putting totally. weight on. Let's see if he has a bounce back. He's going to be really interesting to watch as we kind of transition to linebackers here. The two guys I want to see, and look, last year we were super underwhelmed by this linebacker class, by that linebacker class. And then everybody came out and tested through the roof. Leo mm-hmm. Chanel, who we thought was like this old school thumper, ran like a four or five. Yeah. So kind of in the same boat this year. I'll be honest, a lot of the first round guys don't do it for me. The two guys that I'm going to be watching, because they both could have come out last year. They both elected to go back to school. I thought both of them had a chance to be first round picks last year, went back, dealt with injuries this year. Now they're kind of projected to be day two, maybe even day three guys. And that's Henry To'o To'o from Alabama and DeMarvin mm-hmm. Overshone from Texas. Both yep. of those guys should crush the combine and remind people why they were projected to be first round picks. I'm looking forward to seeing them. Uh, another linebacker is a guy like Noah Sewell. He, uh, he yeah. do, does it for me, I would say, um, from Oregon. It's Panay Sewell's brother. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, another, another Oregon guy from, uh, from Hawaii. He's, uh, he's, he's another one of those. He's like a true old school linebacker. He's not like your, your fast, your speedy guy necessarily. I mean, I'm sure he's got some speed, but he's more of a, uh, Dante Hightower instead of a Mac Wilson, if you will. So, um, a big thumper, so I'll keep my eyes on him. But then later, guys, they've been linked to the Patriots is Aubrey Miller and, or Isaiah Moore, and then another yeah. one that I look at personally is Aubrey Miller from Jackson State. But Isaiah Moore is someone who was Shrine Bowl, spoke, worked with the Patriots, spoke with the Patriots, and impressed the Patriots. So uh, he could be a later. He's more of like a tier three later day three guy, I would say. Um, but he could also uh, help himself this week as well. So I, I look at like further down the board, right? If they want mm-hmm. that next Mac Wilson, uh, Raekwon McMillan, Cameron McGrone, Servassier yeah. Dennis from Pittsburgh and D winters from TCU as kind of those athletic middle linebackers. I mean, winter is almost a safety, but yeah, I like those two guys on the edge. A guy I like is Isaiah land from Florida A&M. Now he's really small. Um, I got to pull up what his measurements are because I don't remember off the top of my head. Like he checked in. So we got to see what he measures up at now. He was listed at, I don't know why it's not on his uh, bio page. That's weird. Hang on here. Uh, 6'4", 225. 
So you got to be bigger to be okay. an edge rusher. But yeah, right. He's quick. He he plays with great motor. Um, can he get his weight up and still be as quick? I'm guessing he's going to come in over 225 at the combine. But how fast is he at 225? Right. That's going to be a question. That's that's when you go to Andre Carter and ask how you how you keep size and size and speed up at the same at the same time. Uh, so that's uh, sorry. I'm just trying to pull something up here with that's the uh, that's the linebackers. Um, it's funny. I remember texting you uh, a few weeks ago when I was setting up my my draft rankings and thinking of how I want to do it and how you decipher between. Defensive line, edge, linebacker, where the middle ground is on each. And it's kind of just a, a cluster F. And we kind of just did that right here. We went from – we seamlessly went from defensive tackle, edge to linebacker all in one fell swoop. So not that they all play the same position, but it's it's interesting that just how that happens. Yeah. Um, Want to go corner? Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay. This is, the, this is where it gets – this is another um, – a, fl- a flag stick, if you will, with the Patriots, where it's wide receiver, tackle, and corner. So Yeah, and it's another one of these positions where, again, we have some sorting to do. And yeah. Oh, boy, do we have some sorting to do with the cornerback. All three, all, three, uh, all three positions they need, they're deep, but it's like, it's chunks. There's no, no one stands out. But you know what? That could be a good thing, because maybe the guy you yeah. think is better, other teams don't think is better. So, right, Mike. I have seven corners all over. And by the, there's no, this is only boundary corners. I'm not going to mention slot corners here. Okay. I have seven corners with a first round grade. I have 15 corners with a top 60 grade. Seven corners are not going to go in the first round. 15 nope. corners are not going to go in the top 60. There's going to be tremendous, tremendous value here. The first tier that we need to sort out. And again, with bigger corners, the knock is always movement. All right, you're 6'2 with long right. arms, but can you change direction? Can you run with the receiver downfield? So as much as it's 40 time, and it is going to be 40 time with some of these guys, like mm-hmm. the really bigger guys, like Julius Brent. Yeah. As much as it's 40 time, it's also three cone. And it's, I can never remember the name of it, but you know the drill where like they have the whole field there, the guy's standing in the middle and the coach is the football and it's like, he holds it over his head and then they have to run backwards. And he pulls it down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Left, right. Like the, dir- the change direction drill. drill. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Those are going to be big. So the first group, these are the guys that I have like the true first round grades on Joey Porter, Jr. Again, no particular order. Joey Porter, Jr. Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Cam Smith, Keely Ringo, Emmanuel Forbes, Dante Banks. Okay. Those are my seven first round corners. And between everything I just talked about, we're going to sort those guys out. And then the second group, and by the way, I, some of these guys in another year would have a first round grade for me. They would. I count three guys on this list that would have a first round grade for me. But Julius Brents, Tyreek Stevenson, Kai Blue Kelly, DJ Turner, Eli Ricks, Garrett Williams, Darius Rush, Jalen Jones. That's deep. (laughs) That's that's 15 corners that I, so I gave the grades. I go top 60. What does that mean? Whatever. Every single one of those guys I just play, I just said, I think has a chance, has a chance to be a plug and play contributor day one in the NFL. Now that can change. I I don't think the number is going to be 15 coming away from the combine. I think it's going to be closer to 10. For instance, when I bring up Julius Brent's, 6'3", 
207. It's going to have probably the second longest wingspan next to next to uh, Joey Porter Jr. Oh, well, that was Juwan Williams. Well, Juwan Williams <laughs> ran a 4.8. <laughs> right. That should have been disqualifying at that point. Everybody knows how much I love Julius Brantz. I've talked a ton about him. If he runs a 4.8, you won't hear me say his name again until the draft. And right. probably after that, right? So are they all going to test in- incredibly? Maybe. Like, maybe this class is just unfreaking real. And they all run right. four threes to four fives, and it's just, you know. And you there's 15 corners in the first round. Right. Blindfold, you throw a dart, you hit a good corner. Yeah. Somebody, a couple guys are going to drop out. It's just the law of averages. Who it is, I, that's why we do the combine, right? To find out. I can't tell you right now what I think it's going to be because clearly I think highly of all of these guys. But what a group. What a it group is. to pick from. It's good for New England that they have, and I've said it three times now, but wide receiver, tackle, and corner, they're so deep that they can get basically a, a – a player from each of these positions, and they could have roughly a, like you say, a top 60 grade, a top top two round grade. Those guys are going to fall to round three, and so, you're going to be able to get some of those guys. That's just how it's going to work. Yeah, and and the other thing is, like, it's not, you know, there's been years where, and I'm trying to think of a specific example, and I can't think of one right now, but I know there's years where, like, they haven't needed a position, and you come into the draft process kind of, actually, last year. Last year is a great example because it, Felt like it was a decent tackle class. It felt like they needed a tackle. And mm-hmm. then guys started falling off. They weren't testing yep. well at the combine. There were some guys that had bad senior bowls. If you remember, I was super into Darian Kennard from Kentucky, who had a bad senior bowl and an awful combine. And guys yep. start falling off. And all of a sudden, like the how you're projecting it to go, like, all right, tackle in the first is going to be easy now. All right, well, well, all the tackles are going to be off the board, like the actual good ones, the guys who made it through. Um, and everybody else kind of isn't at the level that we thought they'd be at with 15 corners. Yeah. It feels super unlikely that's going to happen. Like if they all test poorly, I mean, it'd be hilarious, but it's not going to happen. It's not. Gonna <laughs> yeah, happen. it's not. And that, that's what makes, uh, pick 14. So interesting. And that's why yeah. as much as, as much as you want, obviously we want the Patriots to do well. And so like last year when they're picking at right. 21 or whatever, is yes. they, they fall back. Um, 21. And then I think they traded back to 29 for strange yes. or something like that. Yes. So in that case, you don't really, there's no point in looking at the top tier guys for the Patriots because they're going to, they're not going to be there when we're at 14. And then two years ago when we're at 15, it makes looking at these top tier guys, a guy who can come in and play right away for this team that much more exciting right i I think the other elements of that and and you're right like there's some like last if if they were 14th last year Mm -hmm. i was telling everybody last year i was getting mad at people i was like stop talking about jordan davis stop getting your hopes (laughs) up right like i was annoyed by it i would be so all in on jordan davis this year for the patriots because it's different the other thing that that i think changes it in another year we wouldn't even at 14, I don't think we'd bother talking about Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon. I think we'd say they need a corner. Those two would be nice, but it's not happening. But mm-hmm. if a guy like Christian Gonzalez can jump, which like could happen because yeah, it's it's again, some of it also comes down to what are you looking for in a player? Like Joey Porter Jr. is probably a better fit for the Patriots, but 
a team like Seattle who's up there, um, they're probably going to like Christian Gonzalez better. Just the play style, the experience. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about those guys because in another year, they might be top 10 picks, like locked. But because the class is so deep, specifically at that position, and we don't have this consensus, at least for now, we can talk about it. Now, Joey Porter comes out and runs a 4-2-8 in a sub-7 shuttle. We're going to stop talking about him because then he will be locked into the top 10. Right. But we there's a lot of flexibility in this class right now. Are they going to trade down? They might, they might. Yeah, and they I'll might. tell you this, they can trade to get a good player. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent overly far, but I, I, I'm working right. on some mock drafts right now that I'll have up on 98.5sportshub.com next week. Even like three or four spots, they should be okay. Yeah. Right now. Now, right. if all of a sudden Peter Skronsky is a falls. guard and yep. some of these corners test poorly, and uh, Smith and Jigba doesn't run a good 40, then it changes. Right. But right now, I could probably move down a little bit. But It's definitely exciting. This is fun. <laughs> guys, oh, I love this, as you can tell. Guys towards the top <laughs> yeah. generally only move down, right? right. Like, there's, how much are, are those stocks going to grow? So right. that's kind of what you have to keep in mind. It's, the combine can be a little bit of a wet blanket at times. Yeah. Now it can go the other way. There could be a sleeper you found that tests great. Like if Zach Koontz runs a four or five, I'm not going to shut up about it. It doesn't really impact the first round. So it can be fun I'm in getting, that sense. But I'm pulling up this guy's tape tonight. I'm going to watch it until I fall asleep. There isn't a ton. So good luck. But okay. he's, a, he's a total I have, unknown. I have to order it and it comes in like a VCR to my house. He's a total unknown, which is part of the reason I hope they take him because Evan's going to be so annoyed having a fine tape <laughs> on him and he's going to complain sure. about it. And I'm going to laugh at him. All right, let's do yeah. safeties. I was just going to say, let's do safeties and get out of here. Yeah. Uh, No, Mike, this is Patriots beat. This is the second to last position. Come on. You've been here long enough to know that. Yeah, we'll hit hit specialists as well. You are correct. Yep. Uh, So this is one of those, can anybody catch things again? Can anybody catch Brian Branch? Consensus number one safety. I think pretty comfortably. But I got to tell you this. I I watch Alabama ton, uh, right? His teammate. I like Jordan Battle, man. I didn't yeah. look, I think Branch is better. I don't think the gap is as big as some people are making it out to be. I think Christopher Smith from Georgia as well is another player in that group. So mm-hmm. big time SEC safety class. Love that. Ton of fun. Game on. Let's see how they test. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Trey Dean, Jamie Robinson, Antonio Johnson. There's this is a it's almost like a, the first tier, like you said, I think the two Alabama guys and then everyone else is sort of in their own amoeba tier too, but they all uh, have sort I'll of different Chris, things I'll about I'll put Christopher them. Smith up there. I'll put Christopher Smith up okay. there. Fair. For now. Um, For now. Yeah, but I I look at trading every time because of what happened out in uh, out in Vegas. MVP yeah. just feels like a patriot. Um, so this is one so, of those things, again, where like can he build on that? Because if he has yeah. a good combine – it suddenly becomes, well, he was great at the senior bowl. And then he had a great combine. He's building this momentum and it's like, oh, he's taking this all very seriously and whatever. So like, yeah, yeah. Trey Dean can, can do a, he can, I already like, I I think he's top 100 for the Patriots right now. I don't know that he's top 100 league wide. I think he can be after the combine. Yeah. Uh, Quick break for uniform talk. Uh, The Eagles could, because I want to tie this to Trey Dean because I saw your tweet. Yeah. Um, 
quick uniform talk break is that the Eagles uh, put in a, a a rule change request to have players wear a number zero. Uh, I don't know when that gets voted on, but it's going to be Craig at the D- league meetings in May. There you go. So league meetings in May. In May, the Eagles are. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Proposing. They're proposing. I was thinking projecting. It wasn't coming out. Uh, proposing a rule change that players can wear number zero. So. Trading the third wore number zero at Florida. Uh, Jack Jones wore number zero at Arizona State. I would love to see number zero in the NFL. What do you think? Ah, uh, no, I'm a number traditionalist. Oh, eh. come on, really? I don't like the single digits elsewhere. And ah, oh, I'm with Tom no Brady way. on this one. I'm with oh, Tom Brady so on this lame. one. No, I'll say this: I'm fine with zero, just not double zero. Double zero looks stupid. That's only a bad. Yeah, double zero would be kind of weird, but. Uh, no, I'd like to see, I saw, uh, I don't know, I don't know what his name was, but I was looking up players that wore number zero and the Rutgers quarterback this year wore number zero. Rutgers, and I thought Rutgers was, and, uh, UTSA too. I can't remember his name. But that's he was, like, awesome. Bad. I think that's hilarious seeing a quarterback wear number zero and like a big D lineman, like a 400 pound D lineman squeezing a number zero so over himself. They won't be, linemen won't be able to wear zero in the NFL. Um, why? Cause there is still restrictions on. There are still some oh, of those number restrictions like you see, right? right? So zero. Oh, I mean, I guess they could say anybody could wear it, but my guess is they would put it in the one through nineteen category, yeah. Um, or the what? Right. I guess what's now the one through forty nine category. So it would only be skill position players. Yeah. Um, zero really is a, a defensive back number, with the one exception. Low key tight ends can make zero work. I don't know what it yeah, is, but cool. they can. Um. All right. Uh, you got any other safety? Th- well, so one other guy I wanted to watch was JL Skinner. He obviously got hurt. He's not going to be participating, yeah. but um, from uh, Boise State, 6'4, 215, box safety. It would have been fun to watch him test because if he moved well, he was going to sneak towards that top 50 conversation. But is he a guy the Patriots could do the Cameron McGrone thing where they take him in the fifth round and, and, yeah. and uh, NFI him and all that? Like just. If you want names to know uh, as a Patriots fan, uh, even though he's not working out this week, JL Skinner, I would put on that list. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. The last one was just Antonio Johnson, Texas A&M. I mentioned him before, but uh, he's probably a fringe first-round guy. Uh, makes big plays. He's a, he's, a, he's a hard hitter, but I watched some of him today, and I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wonder about his tackling. Fair. I've seen him get juked out every a little too much. And look, that can be coached, but that's I why yeah, right. that's hot tier. Um yeah. all right, let's do it. Specialists. Specialists. I actually don't have Ooh. any coverage players this year. I'm super bummed. I don't have any coverage players this year. I did last year. Every time I find a coverage player I like, it turns out he also plays offense or defense a significant amount of time. So that's been annoying me. Um actually, I don't know. Is I gotta pull up the list. Is Aaron uh Krushank from Rutgers at the Combine? I don't know. Cause he was like the big 10 returner of the year. He had something like that. Um, he covers kicks too. No, he's not there. Okay. So that one's out. Uh, anyway. Uh, so the thing I'm looking for, Michael Turk won the shrine yep. bowl, Bryce Berenger won the senior bowl. We can see him head to head punters. Also, we can see Jake Moody again. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, in I also love, I love watching the punters run forties cause it's hilarious. Yeah. Because people every, act like it, it matters. Why do they even run? 
Okay, so actually, I do usually, I forgot to do this at the beginning of the show. I like to remind everybody about this. Do you know why they run the 40-yard dash at the Combine, Mike? Why anyone does? Why that's like an event and why it's 40 yards. No, no I do not. So when you're watching it, because they're talking about changing the Combine right now, right? And a lot of the drills are sort of antiquated. And mm-hmm. we, we think about how much stock we put in the 40. You'd think for something that's viewed as so important. Some people call it the mo- the 40-yard dash. Some people say those four seconds and change are the most important four seconds of a player's draft evaluation. So there must mm-hmm. be a good reason for it, right? Right? There must be a good reason we use that if we give it so much importance. Sure. Well, when they were coming up with the combine in the 60s, uh, the average punt traveled 40 yards. Boy. And they simply wanted to see, could you get downfield in time to cover a punt? That's where this whole thing comes from. Three phases of the game. So. <laughs> just so you know, and look, we all do it. I do it. Unless you're actually talking about how good of a gunner a guy would be, you're not properly using the 40 times. You're not like, and we're all, we're all going right. to do it. And we're all going to make a big deal about it. And I'm going to do it. And I've already done it on this show, but is uh, Zach Cox from Nesson. I'll actually see like credit him for this. Mm-hmm. He, when the Patriots started putting Pierre strong as a gunner this year, he mentioned that Pierre strong's 40 time. And it is the only time I have ever seen the correct application of the 40-yard dash. There you go. The only time I've ever seen anybody use it. That's hilarious. I like that. If if you ever wonder why do they run the 40-yard dash, that like three-cone, it makes sense. You're testing agility. There's agility on display. Uh, You know, bench press is self-explanatory. A lot of them are self-explanatory. Why is it 40 yards and why is that one so important? Because we got to see who covering punts. I will say this, if you want to use the 40 for something, and we'll talk about this when we come back and we do our combine recap show, they actually, if you if you go on the NFL's website, they'll give you what are called the 10-yard splits. And it's basically, mm-hmm. what was it? In addition to the overall 40 time, how fast did it take the player to get 10 yards, to get 20 yards, to get 30 yards? So anyway, you're never really running 40 yards in the open field in the NFL except on special teams. Right. The ten, the first ten yard split is something teams put a lot of stock into, as much maybe if not more than the forty in recent years, because what that number tells you is how explosive is the player, how how much energy do they exert from a standstill, right? Mm-hmm. What's their acceleration? What's their lower body? You know, what's their pop from their lower body? So. When we go through the, if you want to go through the 40 times and like really dig into them, I encourage you, like you, Mike, but like everybody watching, uh, right. look at the 10 yard splits because those carry some weight. All right. So there you I, go. You I, learned, I, you learned a lesson about the 40 today. That, that's going to be a, that's going to be final jeopardy tonight is the, uh, the origin of, of the, the 40 time. It's, uh, what is, what well, is no, it's not, it's going to be. I, I told you this, and now when you watch the combine, the whole time you're watching the 40s is all you're going to be able to think about is, yes. you Thank know, you Will that. Anderson running downfield to cover a punt. Right, after he snaps it. He's going to be their long snapper. Will Anderson is going to be the Bears' yes. linebacker, long snapper, and an ace in punt coverage because of his 40 time. Um, so, yeah, Turk, didn't – okay, I have a question for you before we, before we get going. Yeah. Specialists, and you're the specialist guy. So, Michael yeah. Turk was at the combine. Last year, or two years ago, yeah, he he did. He did a uh, because he bench pressed like crazy, and I wanted to know how or why that happened and why he was there. And because I thought once you declare, you can't really go back to school. 
And if you don't know I the guess, answer, I'm, I'm looking. I'm, no, I'm looking at this right now. I guess he yeah. just went to the combine to go. Oh, he never declared. He um, it, it, it okay. had to do with COVID. It, it, it was a COVID thing. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. He was there well, in 2020 because he bench pressed like crazy. Yeah. Oh no, I met him. The dude's built. He spends a lot of time. All right. Um. Okay. Well, there you have it. That's our combine preview. Um, anything else before we get going, Alex? Any any other combine things? We'll be back on Thursday, so uh, that's still there's going to be plenty more post Thursday out in Indy. Like yeah. quarterbacks throw so on Saturday. The workouts don't start until Thursday, um, right? So yeah, we um, yeah. So I guess we'll be back Thursday with uh, perfect. We'll kind of really start to look ahead at, at, at some of the workouts, and we'll go over maybe what we've heard yeah. about interviews and stuff like that. So. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. So yeah, um, we will be back Thursday. We'll get into the combine more. We will do uh, some Q and A as well. So make sure to uh, subscribe to the YouTube Patrons Press Pass. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Follow Alex at Real Alex Barth on Twitter. He'll get you um, all caught up with draft coverage. I will uh, do the same as well on Twitter at Mike Cadlick. You can read both of our stuff at ninety eight five The Sports Hub and clnsmedia.com, respectively. Um, again, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll keep you posted on Twitter when we'll be on. Uh, But until then, thank you for watching. Stay tuned to Indy, and uh, we'll see you next time.